0: Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It is Thursday, April 7th, and we are here to try to take the mystery out of your financial life. And when I say we, I am going to invite Mark Talerio, the executive producer, to come on the air with me for this broadcast. Hi, Mark. Bonjour. I mean, first of all, I want to say that last week I went to go visit Mark and his partner and their son and had the best time, Mark. That kid is so freaking cute. How long has it been since I've seen him? Probably it's pre-pandemic that I saw him last, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You saw him shortly after he was born, and that that was it. So yeah, it's
0: been- no, no, no. Remember, I went, I did um, a podcast downtown, and we did a little walk. So that was right before the pandemic.
1: Right. Yeah. So then it's been a good, it's been a good two years.
0: That's amazing. He's such a big boy. Uh, shockingly, I had to give him my Christmas presents, and also a little present from Orlando.
1: He's still talking. Even even yesterday, I'm not even making this up. Even yesterday. Uh, So almost like a week later, I want to see Aunt Jill. Where's
0: Aunt Jill? Yeah, she's the one with the presents. It was fun. We read. He's very into books. How does he like the new books, the New York books?
1: Every night since you brought them.
0: Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to come down more often. I definitely want to go. And I want to go try that pizza out that you, but don't say the name of it because I don't want it to get too crowded. Uh, we'll do that next time. So Mark, I want you to come on the air with me because I did a segment this week on Tuesday on CBS Mornings about how to pay for college. So let's uh, let's kind of do a little personal thing. You had some student loans, didn't you?
1: Yeah, but very minimal, especially compared to what we hear nowadays. I think when I graduated, it was, I don't know, twelve fifteen thousand $15,000. And that was kind of done on purpose because I I went to school out of state. I went to Arizona State University. So I did not have residency. And at the time, I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, if you took classes during the summer, there was no out of state fee. They just treated you as if you were in state. So the tuition was incredibly cheap. So I basically took full course loads throughout all my summers there to uh, save on tuition.
0: Wow. Did you think a lot about assuming those loans or was it not that big a deal because the total dollar amount didn't seem daunting to you.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't think about it. Definitely not the way I think about things today.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes we get folks who are here on the air and they are telling us these massive numbers. So just to give you um, a few of the the pain points here, it's interesting to learn that really, even though we hear some of these horrible, horrible six-figure numbers It's not really that. The the average student is graduating with about $40,000 of student loan debt. That sounds like a lot, but it's not like 150. Uh, The other aspect of this, which I think is important, is that um, when we start talking about is college worth it, and you'll hear this in the segment, you know, I do think it's worth understanding that, you know, pretty much every single data point would support the idea that of course a college education is worth it it's just not worth it at any cost and often i think that when we talk to people who have these massive loans it's usually from graduate school isn't it i mean that's when we start to see the insane numbers that really start freaking out the the folks who are calling in about it all right so this is what we're going to do we're going to play the segment And on the other side of it, I'll tell you about the stuff I didn't get to, even though it was a kind of long segment. Also, Mark, it was my 13th anniversary at CBS, so they gave me a little shout out on the air. Yeah, lucky 13, baby. Couldn't be happier about the whole thing, truly. I've got the greatest job there. It's amazing. All right, so this is our segment about how to pay for college. The anchors are Gail King, Tony DeCopel, and Nate Burleson.
1: All right, it's time to dance and talk to Jill. In today's Money Watch, we're talking about student loans. In just a few weeks, on May 1st, a pandemic-era freeze on federal loan payments is set to expire. More than 36 million people have not had to pay their loans since March 2020. That's about $195 billion in payments. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger joins us right now on what borrowers need to do. How you doing this morning? I'm doing well. All right, Dollar Dollar Jill, let's talk about it. So for two years, the government had has given students a little bit of breathing room. But where does it stand now?
0: Well, remember, this is just federal student loans. So okay. that's $1.6 of the $1.75 loans outstanding. They are federal. So most people do have federal loans. Right. There's been a lot of talk about maybe this is going to be extended again. I get a lot of folks who come into my podcast who say, well, I'm just not going to pay. Well, I don't think that's a great idea. I think we should prepare so that we don't have to panic. Mm. So really start focusing in on May 2nd, that's the day. There is also a little bit of talk about maybe there could be actually the expulsion of student loans under, say, $10,000. Again, it's talk. There is nothing in stone That yet.
1: chatter has been going on for quite some time. It sure has. But nothing has been confirmed. Nope, not so yet. 36 million people are likely going to have to start making loan payments again. How should they get themselves mentally and financially prepared? Right,
0: and mentally, of course. um, Go to studentaid.gov. You want to start updating your information. So, for a lot of people, they were paying during this zero percent interest window. That's a good idea. It shortens the time frame, but you've got to make sure all of your data is collected the right way. You're signing up for an auto debit. You want to check out your payment options while it's this very strong labor market, some people maybe are not making as much money maybe there's an income driven repayment plan that's in your future. Compare it, look at it don't just do what you had done. So we know that May 1st is a national uh, decision day where students have to make a choice. <clears throat> Getting emotional, Gil. <laughs> Something in my throat. Where they have to decide, make a decision about where they're going to apply to schools. Yeah. Do you have advice about what kind of colleges you should? How How do you base that mm. decision? Because money really matters when you're filling out those applications and deciding but where kids to go. don't realize how much it matters. It, it matters. matters. That is, that is right. You're exactly you're right. right. You don't We're realize right that, that this can follow you in the future for decades at times, yes. right? So here's what I want you to think about. You get these financial aid award letters. There's a real problem with these letters. There's no uniform way that each college must write down Here's how much is a loan. Here's what a scholarship is. Here's what a grant is. Here's what the interest rate will be. So you've really got to do some homework with these letters. I'd like to offer two guidelines for parents and kids about borrowing. If you're the kid and you're the student, you want to target your total borrowing for what you think your first-year salary will be, okay? How can you you do that? Okay, because we have so much information. It's great. So according to most recent data, class of 2020... Average first year out of college, $55,000. Oh, okay. okay. Now, if you're a liberal arts major, maybe that's $30,000. If you're a software engineer, maybe it's $80,000. You're a student, try to borrow, limit your borrowing to what that first year salary will be. Okay, parents okay. increasingly are paying the more of the bill. For a family, here's a way to think about it. What's my household income? That income is what I can borrow in total for all of my children. So let's think about that two people they're together you each make fifty thousand dollars okay you got a hundred thousand dollars of household income you got three kids you cannot borrow or co-sign for more than a hundred thousand dollars why we don't want to rob you of your financial foundation the last thing any parent wants to do is say oh you know what i would like to retire can you help me honey i'm glad you enjoyed your college education
1: Well, here's the reality most people in america don't have a four-year college degree and a lot of people are looking at these numbers and thinking why am i paying 25 dollars dollars a year that's going to get me a job paying the same amount
0: This or less, or less. This is really important. It is worth it with an asterisk. The average college graduate makes about a million dollars more over the course of a career. That's big money, right? And that's 15% more than the non-college graduate. But again, you cannot borrow too much to get there. And also, very clearly, you must finish school. There's no partial credit for getting three out of four years down. You've got to finish or else it will not work. Mark, what a difference a couple days makes. Because I did this appearance, and then what happened? Immediately we got some confirmation shh, quiet from the White House or at least people in the White House who said that there is going to be an additional forbearance of four months until August 31st. So, Mark, it is uh, the sixth time since we started getting these pauses. So I don't know, like, how do you feel about that? We were just talking before we hit record. I, yeah, it's, it's a little silly to me. I'm not
1: quite sure I really understand it. It's, you know, three, four months. What What's the big deal? What difference is that going to make? I don't get it.
0: Well, I think it's a couple of things, which is, you know, there's $1.6 trillion outstanding on federal student loans, which is essentially, you know, a whopping number. I get it. And these are federal loans, right? But I think the other aspect of this is just like, what are we doing this for exactly? I mean, we're in a hot labor market. Young people are making money, older people are making money. So, what are we doing this for? I mean, again, I agree that we should wipe out the debt if there was an issue of like fraud or one of these, like, you know, the for profit companies that were really shady and like, you know, kind of roped people into borrowing money for a crap degree. Like, okay. Fine. I'm okay with just wiping that off then. That's fine. But I don't get the delay. I really don't. And so here's a big question that I would ask you. And that is let's say you get a nice $2,800 refund on your taxes, and the interest rate clock is going to begin again in September for your student loan. Should you just pay it off, even though it's a 0% debt? Should you pay it off now and just start chopping time off of your loan?
1: Oh, I would. If I, if I had loans right now, and my loan has been paused this entire time, I would still be making the payments all along.
0: And you can really reduce the amount of time. All right, now here's your choices. You ready? You get your twenty eight hundred dollars average tax refund. You could pay off a zero percent loan, or you could put that twenty eight hundred dollars into a Roth IRA. What do you do?
1: Uh, I I personally do
0: the loan. Yeah, but that's not the but that's not the wisest financial decision necessarily, is it?
1: No, but the clock is going to start ticking again. It's it's inevitable. It's coming. You know, at some point you're going to have to pay off this loan. So I just want to get rid of it.
0: Okay. I'm going to give you more choices. You got $2,800 in your tax refund. You can chop down 2,800 of your outstanding student loan debt, or you can put money into your retirement plan, which you're not using, and you get an employer match.
1: The match. The match is what makes it compelling. It's hard to walk away from the free
0: money. I agree. This is something we didn't talk about in the segment, but there's a real emotional cost to carrying student loan debt. We know it really does freak people out. It causes anxiety. It causes um, real, real worry enough that it actually robs people of sleep. We know that it obviously robs people of, of financial opportunities, you know, so there is, I want to acknowledge there is absolutely an emotional cost to carrying the debt. I also want to encourage anyone out there who's listening, who's got student loans that are being paused right now to check in with us to see if you should be either paying that off or doing something else with the money. You know, listen, you may you may not have a job, then that's fine. Or you may find it, you don't get a tax refund, that's fine. But if we're kind of comparing apples to apples, which is, you know, your student loan payment would have been 350 bucks a month and you've been able to save 350 bucks a month or you don't need that money, we'd love to hear from you in order to figure out what you should be doing with your extra cash flow. Maybe you should pay down that note. I mean, listen, 0% is kind of nice because you can get a real jump on this and it may mean the difference between maybe, you know, instead of a 10 year payoff, you've got nine years left. Well, you know, a year doesn't seem like a lot, except it's a year of your life where you don't have to be under that kind of anxiety. I think it's going to be interesting. I I am not a huge fan of these delays. I really am not because I think the bigger issue is that the uncertainty leaves people a little bit, um, I think, Confused as to what their next best move is. One thing that we did not get to, which I found interesting, the average borrower. You know, when we talk about that amount of money that's borrowed, let's say uh, again, it's about thirty seven thousand dollars with federal student. It's about forty one thousand with private loans. So that average borrower takes twenty years to pay back student loans. That's a long time. It's a long freaking time. There's this um, There's this source that I found called the Education Data Initiative. They said that graduates of this year, 2022 graduates, they are projected to take 10 years to pay back about $45,000 of debt with monthly payments of about $375. So if you think about it, and you've got a $50,000 entry level job $40,000 375 is not terrible as a monthly payment right it's like a car payment yeah i mean it's it is like a car payment and so that's not a bad thing too it's not terrible so if you could do 10 years i really think it's 10 years that we're really shooting for and finally you know uh, i remember when we had beth akers on the program she did a lot of research in this, and you know, she was one of these people who's like also said, "Hey, she had changed a lot of her thinking because she felt like it is fine to borrow, but you've got to have good outcomes, meaning you got to finish school, but also you've got to choose the right school for you." And the only other thing you probably won't hear it because it was a it was a graphic that went up. Uh, there are government search tools that are really helpful. One is called College Navigator college scorecard. Those are the two different government search tools. And they can really help families consider things like the cost of the school, the graduation rate, the job placement rate, and earnings of various schools. So you want to check that out. And also the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau portal can help. What else do I should I say about student loan debt? Anything you have any, any last words here?
1: Uh, my last words would be start those 529 plans early and fund them often.
0: Yes. The 529 is our absolute favorite way to help you save for school. And by the way, now it can be used for private school. So when um, my little nephew, Theo, starts to go to private school, when I send him to Jewish day school.
1: (laughs) That's not happening. He is a public school kid.
0: You think he's going to be public school all the way? You say that now. We don't know.
1: No, 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 because I told you he's going to be raised bilingual. New York City has two bilingual Mandarin schools and one is in our district. It's a very good school. So The goal is uh, for him to go there.
0: All right. Well, let's make sure that happens. Uh, If you've got a question about school, about education, about debt, about the things that you need to prioritize, how to weave in education funding into your game plan, or you just need some guidance, we'd love to hear from you. Go to JillOnMoney.com click the contact us button and we'll get your note and while you're there you know what happens you get this form and at the end of the form it says would you be willing to come on the air we'd love for you to come on the air it's so much better when you come on the air while you're on the website sign up for the free weekly newsletter every single friday it comes out and you can subscribe to our sister broadcast it's called eye on money and on that show mark is always the co-host which is fantastic lift someone up today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.